what? You have a podcast? Can we just take a second and fully abbreviate this moment together? I did not have sexual relations with that woman. He's a jackass. What is the cost of lies? Dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. Fighting fascism is a full-time job! Hello and welcome to another episode of Recovery from Politics Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Frame, and today is Wednesday, September 20th, 2023. So, the front page is basically telling us how the House GOP is completely failing when it comes to these debt negotiations, or in this case, a funding bill. So, there is high likelihood that we're going to face a shutdown, mostly due to Republican incompetence. And the thing that I find interesting in this is that they're saying that there are negotiations right now uh, going on with our budget and everything. The problem is, is the speaker's not in the room. Uh, right now, it's a bunch of GOP crazies, and it, so it's basically the House Freedom Caucus, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Chip Roy, Lauren Boebert, those people in a room with the House Majority Whip, which at least makes sense that he's there. He's obviously the one who has to whip the votes and get everyone in line. So that's concerning. Uh, because that means that there's no real direction. Now, McCarthy's trying to defend this. Uh, he's been asked about it before, and right now he's saying, oh, you know, I know it doesn't look great, but this is this is how we've always wanted to do it, and, uh, you know, Pelosi always used to just ram things through, and so did Boehner and Paul Ryan, and that's why everything sucks, and now we're going to let everybody in to do this. Now, I, you guys know my opinion on Pelosi. I absolutely hated the way that she did things, but there was order to her chaos. This is just chaos for the sake of chaos. McCarthy is doing this, uh, you know, for me, it's sending a huge signal that the man is not a leader whatsoever. You can allow a group of people to express themselves in a project, in this case, uh, you know, government funding, you obviously have hundreds of members with their own opinions, um, but you still need somebody on point. You, you still need somebody who's going to guide the discussion, who's going to lead them, who's going to take the people with lofty expectations and bring them down to earth and also reassure people that maybe are a little squeamish on shaky ground that actually everything's okay and it's going to happen. So this, to me, is pure evidence that Kevin McCarthy is a horrible leader, um, and he's trying to hide that by saying, oh, no, I'm letting everyone talk. Now, a lot of people have said that Congress, and usually this is a, this is a critique of the left, is that the left is like herding cats. Um, so that, that's, that's how Pelosi was always able to be like, well, I'm the one making the decisions, and y'all have to live with it. And we're going to do this because hurting you people is like cats. And if I let you guys do whatever you want, we're going to go crazy. Um, there is some truth to that. However, I still think she was still too heavy handed. I think Boehner and Paul Ryan tried to do this when they were speaker, where it was like, we're going to try to lead. But unfortunately for them, I think the Republican caucus is simply too split. Uh, ultimately, everybody wants to get reelected. 
And the problem is everybody's made promises. Now, if you're in a purple district or a district that Biden or even Trump won, but not by a wide margin, you have to appeal to the other side. So you can't look like you're crazy. This is why Kevin McCarthy didn't bother holding a vote on the impeachment because he knew if I do a vote, it's going to split my caucus and obviously no Democrats are going to run for it. It would look ineffectual. This is the only way he can do it is by unilaterally making that decision. Again, not real leadership because true leadership shows that you are able to, you know, herd the cats, get everybody on the same page and be able to do a thing. You know, um, he has been unable to control his own caucus at times. So it it's really a bad look for him. It's also a bad look for the party. Obviously, the Republican Party is so split between the radicals and the people just trying to do their work. And the real, you know, dilemma here for Kevin McCarthy, because I don't think he has a problem in a perfect world going to the Democratic caucus and is like, look, my moderates want to pass a moderate bill. Are you guys OK with that? And then they hash out a deal and he gets Democratic support, just enough support to pass the damn thing. He doesn't need the entire Democratic caucus to go with him. But he's painted himself into a corner because in order to get his speakership, he had to go ahead and sell out to the radicals within his party who say that if he even attempts a deal with the Democrats on this, they're going to blow it all up by basically uh, calling a vote of no confidence and booting him. Uh, which only requires one member of the House to do. So any of them can do this. Matt Gates is calling for it. Chip Roy is certainly one of those people who would do it. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene says this is a non-starter for her. So there are all kinds of people who are there. And really, I think the only reason they haven't pulled the trigger and gotten rid of McCarthy is there's no one else, really. Um, the moderates need someone like McCarthy there who is kind of moderate-ish, or at least he presents that way. They can't put somebody like Jim Jordan, who is seen as a clown and a sex abuser. Uh, you can't put somebody like Comer, who, of course, is just making a fool of himself with his investigations into Biden. You know, you obviously can't do Marjorie Taylor Greene because nobody takes her seriously. There are no big names. Remember, last time they had this problem when Boehner decided to step down because he couldn't control the caucus and he was tired of that. Uh, you know, they, they coalesced around Paul Ryan. He was the last person who could really unify all sides. And he didn't even do that great of a job. Remember, his huge legislative accomplishment was just a massive billionaire tax cut. He couldn't do anything else. That's why he stepped down the second he lost. You know, the second it went back to Pelosi's hands in 2018, he was like, I'm out. I want nothing to do with this. So that's that's kind of what's going on there. Uh, nothing. I mean, it's major just because, honestly, if the Democrats wanted to show leadership, this is one of those moments when Jeffries or whoever fancies themselves as a leader are the ones to approach McCarthy. Okay, McCarthy's obviously not going to approach them, so there needs to be some distance there. But really, some Democrats need to cross the aisle and get this done. A government shutdown, you know, it's it's a fantasy for the anarchists and for people who want to see the system torn down. 
Um, they love seeing the system constantly fail in such a way. And don't get me wrong, it's good popcorn. It's entertainment. It gives me something to talk about. That's great. But ultimately, I do realize that I am in a place of privilege, so I can eat popcorn while it all burns down. This will cost people jobs. This will cost people paychecks and bills and their credit rating and their ability to buy a house. And for those reasons, I think the Democrats need to step up. I think they need to go ahead and say, okay, what do we need to do here to get this bill passed? And even go to the code of the degree of telling McCarthy, hey, we'll vote for you for speaker again if they if the far right tries to pull their bullshit. You know, if they call their bluff, let them do it uh, for working for us, and we'll go ahead and do it. And I think they should, just as, you know, maybe it doesn't come of anything maybe maybe mccarthy because he does this deal ends up getting primaried and so he wouldn't want to do it but i think the democrats should publicly show look we're trying to govern here because ultimately this will hurt people there are people who will be hurt by this shutdown government shutdowns always cost money and anytime anything costs someone money someone's losing their job and so for that reason alone i am against the government shutdown i don't care really um, whatever their nitpicky bullshit is that they've got going on, I think the Democrats should step up. I think McCarthy should show a spine and actually do something, but unfortunately, it may be too late for that. I think the Democrats have to bail them out on this one. I'm probably alone in that opinion, um, but I think they do. I think they need to go to him, promise that they'll back him for speaker again in case the Republicans pull their BS, and that way you, you, you take the pin out of the hand grenade. You know, if Chip Roy or Matt Gates goes ahead and votes that uh, Kevin McCarthy should not be speaker anymore and we need to have a new vote on the speaker, guess what? 200 plus Democrats voting for Kevin McCarthy for speaker means you only need, what, five or six Republicans to go along with it? I mean, you've effectively neutered their their position. Uh, it would be a magnificent coup on the part of the Democratic Party. So it needs to happen. Um, I think, again, strictly for the purpose of not causing someone to lose their job, not buy a house, uh, be unable to put food on the table. Shutdowns do not hurt the people we want to hurt. You know, the people we'd love to hurt, the Elon Musks, hell, even the Kevin McCarthy's, everything else, we're not hurting them. Okay, Congress is still going to get paid regardless. Most of them are millionaires anyway. The president's still going to eat. Trump is going to be fine. You know, a government shutdown doesn't hurt the people that we would like it to hurt. You know, in a fair world, a government shutdown would hurt the people that caused the shutdown. But unfortunately, it just doesn't. It may cause their poll numbers to dip for a little bit. So, you know, uh, forgive me. I, I just don't see the point in doing a government shutdown other than pure entertainment value for me because I am entertained by things like this. You know, that that's just who I am. Anyway, the other uh, news right now that I thought was interesting... Over in the UN, they're having a summit uh, regarding climate change and pollution, and both Joe Biden and China's Xi Jinping are not attending this summit. And China and the United States are the largest carbon emitters on the planet, thank you very much, and they're not there. So it kind of pisses everyone else in the world off when the two countries who, you know, one of them is going to end up ruling the world. Right now, it's America, but obviously that's being questioned right now, and China and Xi Jinping is one of the reasons why. 
but both countries are doing a craptastic job of taking care of this. Now, there are some people who will point to and say that China is doing a lot of work in green energy and is trying to stop doing it because they burn so much coal that it's killing their own citizens. And they recognize that and they are trying to fix it as quickly as they can. That's fine. But even you would have to admit that them not being there is a bad decision. And the fact that they're doing it in tandem with the United States is also bad. See, this is one of those positions where if you're pro-China or pro-communism, pro-socialism, whatever, you would think, okay, China should be there proving that it's ready to lead the world, prove to everyone that our way is better and would step in and be there. But Xi Jinping's not going to this summit. So that gives cover to Joe Biden. It makes everybody think, oh, see, they're the same. There's no difference between the two. And, you know, it, it, it leaves a vacuum because now who's supposed to be leading this thing? It's not the United States. It's not China. India's not going to lead this. Pakistan's not going to lead this. The EU's not going to lead this. It won't be Britain. So that really bugs me. Uh, in, a, in a very, very large way that when we're in the middle of this climate crisis, crisis we, we, we have record temperatures all over the place. And the two number one fossil fuel emitting countries uh, just decided, yeah, we're not going. It's not a good look. Um, it's not a good look for capitalism. It's not a good look for socialism. It's not a good look for the individual leaders themselves. I think Xi Jinping is missing an opportunity here. I think Joe Biden is also missing an opportunity, at least on the world stage. That's probably why Biden's not doing it is because, let's be honest, if you care about the climate, you don't really have an option. Okay, the Republican Party denies it's even happening and is all about deregulation and putting judges in the courts who are going to vote to destroy any powers that the EPA have. Like, I'm sorry, if, if climate is your number one issue, you only have one option, and that is the Democratic Party, and that sucks, because they suck. They're really bad at this. So, you know, it's possible that Biden was going ahead and making a, a calculation that, well, where the hell are those voters going to go? And I hate that kind of calculation um, because you're also not giving voters a reason to vote for you. You're giving them a reason to vote against someone. Like, obviously, if you care about the climate, you're not going to vote Republican. That's just, uh, I'm sorry, it, it doesn't matter. If you care about the climate at all and you're voting Republican, you're an idiot. It, it, just flat out, you are a complete and total moron. If you believe that it's really happening and you're voting Republican, you are one of the biggest idiots I've ever heard of. Um, but that's not enough. It's not enough to just vote against someone all the time. You need a reason to vote for someone. And if your issue is climate, the reason to vote for Joe Biden is you think he's actually going to like care about this and it's going to be a big issue for him. And him skipping a summit like this really doesn't help. So... That's something I don't care for at all. I would prefer Joe Biden be there. I prefer Xi Jinping be there. I prefer everybody be there. Come together. We have to do this. Like, I don't care that the Democrats and Republicans can't get their shit together in the House or the Senate or anywhere and come to an agreement. I care that the world's leaders can't seem to be able to do that. Um, this is going to be a situation that comes to a head, and I'm really not looking forward to it.
but you know, within the next 10, 15, 20 years, the world is going to be significantly changed. And if we aren't getting ready for it now, we are going to be hurting very badly. Uh, the only other news going on really that I can see is, yeah, basically that the, the strike is still going on with the UAW. Um, that's fine. Uh, the thing that I hate about it, of course, is that most news outlets are reporting on it as if it's only affecting the economy and it's not affecting the workers. Uh, so uh, a couple weeks ago, I was in Texas for a wedding and uh, I'm eating breakfast at the free hotel room or free free hotel breakfast thing, right? The complimentary breakfast. And I'm down there and they've got the, the news on. And it's not even local news. It's uh, it's one of the daytime, uh, you know, news morning shows. Uh, not a 24-hour segment. I think it was just NBC or CBS. But they're reporting on the strike. And the strike hadn't happened yet. But, you know, they were saying that the workers, they, they basically said the workers are demanding a 40% raise, blah, blah, blah. And then uh, the, the CEOs countered with a 10% raise. And then they immediately, you know, rather than explain the numbers and explain why are they asking, why are they so far apart, uh, why are the workers asking for 40%, you know, real questions, they immediately switched over to this guy who was advocating, if you need to buy a car, you'd better do it before the strike, because as soon as the strike happens, everyone's car is going to get more expensive. Wee! And I'm, that just, it really bothers me. Um, it's, it's not what's important. What's important is how this is going to affect the workers, you know, not how's it going to affect my ability to buy a car. Like that's how strikes work. Okay. If you strike and you build cars for a living, there will be less cars, you know, it's just one of those things. So, um, the fact that the, the major media outlets, unfortunately we are a, for-profit media system, no matter what you go to, the goal of it is to make money. Because of that, they're not going to advocate certain solutions to a problem. They're going to advocate, you know, from this basic understanding that we are in a capitalist environment and it all has to be seen through that lens. And anything that would hurt the economy is completely trashed as far as they're concerned. So it, it really did it, it was a concern of mine that you know just the regular morning news shows and i'm not expecting something in depth here but i would have thought when there's that much disparity you know one side saying 40 percent, the other side saying 10 percent. you would think that the journalists would try to explain what those numbers really mean why they're asking for how much they are you know really do a an honest to god you know explanation of it but that doesn't seem to be what happened at all uh instead obviously they're just talking about how it's going to affect the economy and that's exactly what's going on here uh how the uaw strike could hit the economy uh under business so obviously it's going to hurt somebody's stock price i don't give a fuck uh but these things have a way of expanding you know it's like the housing market caused everyone to lose money in their savings accounts, which, you know, you would hope it was insulated. But when one pillar falls or goes down, it tends to bring everybody down with it. And auto manufacturing in the United States is massive. It's way more than just the big three. 
There are numerous contractors and suppliers that go into it. Tire manufacturers, oil companies even go into this. You know, uh, you know, Ford and GM and all these, they don't build every single piece of every single car that's ordered. So you're not just hurting, you know, those workers. It's the workers that are working for those companies, you know, the smaller companies and everything else. And, you know, it really does have a ripple effect. This is why Obama went really hard to bat for uh, bailing out the auto industry uh, back in, you know, around 09, 010. And, 10. and Romney gave him crap for doing that, saying he should have let him crash. There's a part of me that agrees with Romney on that because that would have hurt the workers, but it also would have hurt the CEOs and the billionaires a lot. So it's a double-edged sword. I'm glad they were saved, but that was the argument that Obama was making back then is like, it look, it's not just Ford. It's not just GM. Okay, these things will ripple out and completely cave in an entire industry and really force Americans to buy foreign vehicles, whatever comes in. And the reason that we want to have manufacturing here in the United States, you know, some, some would argue, hey, manufacturing, we, we should change our economy to everything else. One of the reasons we want manufacturing here in the States is because the government can institute certain policies and make sure of it. If you're only, right now you have a choice. You can buy a car made here in America where at least you know there's a there's a baseline of you know protections for the workers. The workers are probably getting paid well or at least respectably. And you know, if you you go overseas, you really have no idea who the workers are who are building your car. Okay, if a car is built overseas and being sent here, you have no idea. Was this done with child labor? Was it subsidized with child labor? Just because and even if the factory is filled with 40-year-olds who are getting paid well, you have to understand if a nation has child labor, at some level, child labor is subsidizing that vehicle. You know, it just may not be in the auto industry. But if you've got kids out there picking your crops or making your clothes, that obviously has an effect on the overall economy. So having things done here in the United States at least guarantees that just a, a cursory glance at things you know, the person making the purchase can be like, okay, I have a reasonable amount of confidence that this wasn't built with 21st century capitalistic slavery, okay? It's not perfect, but it's better, okay? And and when when things come in for that, I'm okay with it. Same thing with global warming. You know, if you care about global warming, you should want manufacturing done here in the United States because there are countries like India, like China, that sometimes prefer to get the number out, you know, meet their quota rather than protect the planet. Same thing happens here in the United States. It's to degrees, unfortunately. Everyone's guilty of this, and it's really to degrees. Is the America is America the best? No, they're also not the worst. You know, the United States is not the worst at this. Um, there are the worst. There are the best, and unfortunately. We, as normal consumers, have a really difficult time, even with the internet. It's flooded with so much bullshit that it's hard to be able to sift through and really find out what's real and what's not. So, for me, I'm, I'm hoping this strike is taken care of. Uh, you know, 
another thing that happened, you know, obviously the uh, the UAW union leadership uh, took shots at Trump, tried to say he's not welcome, all that. Again, that's not the point. Okay, he took shots at them. He took shots at the CEOs. He takes shots at the names. Okay, he's just taking a shot at whoever has a name. He can't obviously go after the workers. That's who he's trying to court here. And again, I don't think anybody who's actually out there on the picket lines is going to buy his bullshit. But it's not for him. Or it's not for them. Like, he's not going to do this rally because he's really trying to get the UAW on his side. He's going to this rally to make people who don't know any better. The stupid voter, the stupid American voter is just going to read the headline, Donald Trump went to UAW rally. And they're going to make their own assumptions on that because they never read the article. They don't follow the news. And unfortunately, even reading the article just doesn't work anymore. You have to follow this stuff. You have to read it every day, which is a chore sometimes. It is a pain. But if you want to be an informed voter, you can't just start reading newspapers a month before the election. You have to read years in advance and really get to know these people, especially for president. These people have long distinguished careers. You need to know what they've been doing this whole time to be able to put their recent actions into context. But if you're just not paying attention, you cursory glance the headlines, you don't know any better. All you know is there have been only two politicians to go to the rallies for the UAW strike. Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump, names from 2016 that hit home for a lot of people. Whose name isn't there? It isn't Joe Biden. It isn't any major Democratic member. And that's where it's going to hurt. Again, this is all strictly to pander to the lowest common denominator in the United States voting pool. And unfortunately for them, this shit works. Okay? I'm not talking right now to the people who keep up. I'm not talking to the people who understand things. I'm not even talking to the UAW people. I know most of them aren't going to fall for this. And if anybody does, most of them will turn on that one person and be like, here's 20 million different reasons why it's not going to work. Why Trump is lying to you right now. But most people don't have that. They're not in a community that does that. And also, let's not forget, there is an entire media ecosystem on the right who is beholden to Trump and will sell it the right way, right? They're going to sell it and they're going to really hammer home, Joe Biden's not there, Donald Trump is. Donald Trump cares. Donald Trump listens. Donald Trump cares about the lowly workers who are striking. He cares. But he still hates unions. You know, he still, look at him. He's going after the union guy. They will sell it eight different ways. You have to understand the media ecosystem, the stupid American voter, are a match made in heaven. Okay? This is just the way it is. They are spoon-fed the information, and unfortunately, the media, especially on the right, is way more willing to lie about things than anyone else. So, you know, don't come at me saying, I don't understand these things, or it's ridiculous, or it's a trick that won't work. It will work. Remember, these people only win or lose elections by a couple thousand votes in certain districts across the country. We're talking about millions upon millions. We're not talking about even the majority of voters. We are talking about the margins. These stupid idiots on the margins who make up their minds on elections. Okay? These people that vote even though they don't know what the fuck they're voting for. 
These are the people. And Trump gets that. Trump does. It sucks, but he is, like, really smart about this thing. He's going to go there. He's going to say all the right things and look like an idiot doing it because he says the right things, but, like, they're so, like, mixed up and jumbled. It's a mess. But he's going to go ahead. He's going to go there. He's going to say the right things. Fox News and the right-wing media ecosystem will go ahead and filter it for you, put it into some nice little, you know, tidbits and sound bites, put it out there, and sell whatever image it is they want to sell. On Fox News Direct, it's going to be, oh, look at Trump doing what matters for the common working man. But on Fox Business, it's going to be, look, he's going after the union leadership, and he's he's calling him out. You know, they will sell it differently. They'll take the story, dissect individual parts, and sell it to different audiences, because that's how it works. The left is all about explaining things, and that's fine. That's what they do, and the left wants to be explained. The right doesn't. The right wants their talking points. They want their marching orders, and this is going to give it to them very easily. So... Yeah, it is a concern of mine. And I think the only thing to combat it is, unfortunately, not to try to talk to these, these voters. The voters are dug in. What you need to do, the only thing that will help, is to get the Democrats to understand, hey, you are, by your inaction, helping an authoritarian take over this country. You need to start treating this like it's the emergency that it is. That's all I'm saying. And the problem is, they don't seem to get it. So it's pissing me off. Anyway, that's our story for today. I hope you enjoyed things. And uh, just got myself a new webcam. We'll see what ends up happening with that. Whether or not I end up going to video or not. I don't know. I guess that would means I would have to shave occasionally. Not a big fan of that. That's why I like the radio. Anyway, you guys have a great day. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening all the way to the end. If you want to support the show, the best thing you can do is to like, subscribe, share, and leave a review. You can always email me directly at recoveryfrompolitics at gmail.com. I can also be found on Facebook, threads, and most social media sites, except the site formerly known as Twitter. That's a Nazi site, and you will not see me on it anymore. Your support is crucial as this show is not monetized. It is a one-man show using free software on his free time, so your reviews mean a lot. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next time.